As, as was mentioned, Pastor Chris, Raylene, Elijah, and Hezekiah are on vacation today. Much deserved. Hope they make it back safe and sound. Um, I had the privilege yesterday of uh, going to Portland Airport and picking up uh, Pastor Elijah Francis from the, uh, he, he came up from, he, he was flying in from Phoenix. And before that, um, he had left uh, 24 hours before uh, from uh, Panama. Was it Panama? I think so. Uh, yeah, so uh, it was a 24-hour trip, three flights. It said nine-hour layover in Phoenix, which uh, I've never flown out of Phoenix, so I don't know if Phoenix Airport's a place you can spend nine hours. But anyway, so... <laughs> uh, Pastor Elijah has, has spoken here in the past, and, and I, I, my wife and I weren't here the time previous, but uh, in case you are unaware, uh, Pastor Elijah Francis serves as the India National Director for IT Global. That's I-T-E-E, -E, Global. I-T-E-E, -E, Global, provides Bible education and training through both online and face-to-face -face mentored classes. Elijah, Pastor Elijah teaches classes in both English and Tamil languages and travels throughout India and Myanmar teaching and organizing ITEE services with students and partner missions and Bible schools. Pastor Elijah's passion for this work is expressed by his life verse, 2 Corinthians 11:28. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. With 17 years in student and pastoral ministry, he is deeply concerned for pastors and Christian leaders who do not have access to adequate biblical training. These leaders often endure intense persecution while shepherding small congregations among 1,625 languages. 1,625 languages. Amazing. And 1.41 billion people. Biblical training will equip them to more effectively nurture the flocks under their care. He and his wife, Angeline, have two elementary-age children. So at this time, I'd like to invite uh, Pastor Elijah to come up and uh, uh, present the, the message. And I don't see him here. <laughs> oh, there he is. I was looking for you back there. I had a hard, I had a hard time finding him at the airport yesterday, too. I was just... I. I was looking one direction when he was someplace else, but uh, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, thank you, so you very much. much. Oh, no, that's your, your side. Okay. Check. Yes. Good morning to you all. I'm so happy to be here for the second time. Uh, I really thank God and Pastor Chris and the uh, committee for giving me this opportunity. Uh, to come and uh, spend time with uh, you and uh, share the God's word. Uh, before I move, I, I want to pray. So please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for this wonderful time. Father, this is your time and help us, Lord, to make use of it every moment. Let this time not be the time of just inspiration, but let this time be the time of transformation. Help us, Lord, to be transformed, to transform others. And speak through me, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Uh, before we get into the sermon, I want to ask you a question. Uh, if Jesus walked into our room today and sat down next to you, what two questions would you ask him? Let me repeat the question, yeah? I think the answer is almost revealed there. <laughs> but don't look at the slide. If Jesus walked into our room today and sat down next to you, what two questions would you ask to him? Think about a moment and share it with the person next to you. 
What two questions would you ask? Those who find difficulty to understand my accent, please get help from the next person who can understand. <laughs> no, I learned English by myself. I, I taught by myself. So I pray that the Holy Spirit, God, can communicate with all of us. <laughs> okay, uh, you probably got some wonderful questions, isn't it? Maybe some funny questions. Uh, I heard uh, several times people asking different questions. Uh, <clears throat> but when we look at our Bible, Apostle Paul, it was the first time he met Jesus in Acts chapter 9. When he met Jesus for the first time, he asked this question. Excuse me. Okay, yeah, it's working now. Sorry. Uh, okay. Okay, it's turned out. Okay. The first question he asked, Who are you, Lord? This is the first question. You know, Paul knew about God. He knew about the resurrection. And he was such a zealous persecutor of Christians was persecuting the church. We know what are all the persecution he did against Christians. But now we can see he got an opportunity to meet Jesus Christ. So the very first question he asked him is, who are you? Paul wanted to know the person who is more powerful. He thought that Jesus was dead. He thought that Jesus will never resurrect. And he was uh, very much furious against Christians. And he had the power, and he thought that whoever is speaking about Jesus must be persecuted. And he did not know Jesus Christ. This morning, when we looking at the questions of Apostle Paul, this will help us to understand how much we know Jesus Christ. There is a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. Paul knew about Jesus Christ. Knowing about Jesus is just a intellectual knowledge. People may know about his life. People may know about his teachings and his historical context. In the month of September, I got a chance to go to Myanmar. I was preaching in the church, and that is the first time a young man from a Buddhist background came to the church. After he listened to my sermon and my testimony, he came to me and he said, every Christmas, Christians used to come to my home and they shared about Jesus. And this is the first time I feel I know something about Jesus Christ. The whole world know about Jesus Christ. 
but knowing Jesus is different. It is the personal relationship beyond the intellectual knowledge. It is the heart-to-heart experience, believing in the resurrected God. So when uh, Paul met with Jesus Christ for the first time, he understood that Jesus is the more powerful than anyone he met. And not only he just asked the question, what he did was he lost everything just to know Jesus Christ. That's what he uh, wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verses from 7 to 11. And he says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And again he says that, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. How much we have sacrificed to know Jesus Christ? This is the question we need to ask by ourselves. You know, uh, we may spend money on everything, but spending money to know Jesus Christ is the most worth thing. That's what Paul says. That is surpassing worth of knowing Christ. We may have a big portfolio. We may have a great stock in our uh, portfolio. But the greatest stock what Paul wanted to have is to know Christ. Investing all his wealth to know Jesus Christ. He know what is uh, Old Testament law. He knew, uh, he studied about Abraham. He studied about David, he studied about all the prophets and all the prophecies, but he did not have the right relationship with God. Having right relationship with God only makes a person to know God better. When we uh, look into the life of uh, Apostle Paul, he says that, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. He wanted to know that power, how a man can be resurrected. He knew about resurrection as a Pharisee. That is one of their faith. They believed in resurrection. But he didn't want to believe Jesus was resurrected. But now he could see the resurrected king, the resurrected Lord Jesus appeared to him. Once he saw the powerful God whom he was thinking that died, he was no more, he has no power, he was in the tomb, now he understood that no, he is alive. Jesus lives. How can a person who was dead can be existed, and he speaks to him face to face. So he wanted to make sure that there is a power in the words of Jesus Christ. So he wanted to know the power and the power of his resurrection. You know, when God called him, he said like this, he understood one thing that immediately he did not confer with flesh and blood. He wanted to know Jesus Christ, but he didn't take much time to follow him. You know, we know uh, when we go and share about the love of Jesus, many people take time to believe in him. They wanted to know all the intellectual knowledge about Jesus Christ. But here Paul says that he didn't take much time to know who is Jesus and follow him. When we read uh, Mark chapter 4 verse 35 to 41, we know uh, the incident. Uh, and that particular day, Jesus and his disciples were traveling on the boat. And Jesus was sleeping on the boat. 
And at that time, there was a furious storm happened, and the disciples were thinking that they are going to be drawn into the sea. So they all went and uh, they were screaming, Teacher, don't you care if we drown into the sea? And Jesus was very quiet and he was sleeping. But these disciples were screaming for their life. They wanted to do something. The thing is, the disciples who traveled with Jesus Christ, who saw many miracles, now they are shouting, they are screaming. When we start reading the Mark Gospel, it is the first Gospel written in the New Testament before Matthew. These disciples already had experienced all the miracles. When you read from the first chapter onwards, you can see Jesus was healing people immediately. So the immediate miracle they were expecting. But what happened on this boat, Jesus did not do anything. And these disciples were asking Jesus to come and help. And they did not know who Jesus was. When we read uh, verse 41, it says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Even after traveling with Jesus Christ many places, even after experiencing the miracles and wonders Jesus performed in others' life, these disciples did not know who Jesus was. Because they were happy to clap, they were happy to say praise the Lord when Jesus was doing miracles in somebody's life. It is very easy to praise and thank God when God does miracles in somebody's life. But these disciples themselves did not have experienced such miracles in their life. So Jesus understood their lifestyle. They, he understood that, oh, these disciples who are traveling with me are not knowing me. So he let them to experience this storm. When they experienced this storm, now they asked the question, who is this Jesus? Until that they have no idea. They thought that there is a great man, a magician, a powerful man is always with us. But you know, sometimes God let us to suffer to have the proper relationship with him, the good relationship with him. Because this makes them to understand and experience the real miracle in their own life. Now they understand. Because when they were screaming, it, it came out of their own experiences. They were all fishermen. They know how the sea roars. Yesterday when Kelly was bringing me from the airport, he was just telling me that the peninsula and the Pacific Ocean and this Columbia River where that meets together, there is a strong current. And, and today morning also, Steve told me that more than 2,100 shipwrecks happened because it's such a powerful, only the pilots and the captains, they know how strong the waves are. So these fishermen, they know, they have that experience that this boat can be drawn. But Jesus knew what will happen. So Jesus wanted to make sure that their experience will not help them to know Jesus Christ. Only knowing Jesus Christ will help them to know Jesus better. Sometimes based on our own experience, we can limit the power of Jesus Christ. People say that, oh, Jesus cannot do anything. He cannot do any miracle in their life. Oh, that's all. It's all over. I know it will never happen. This is how many people used to say. But that old experience will not help people to know Jesus Christ. Only the experience people experience personally with Jesus Christ. The heart-to-heart -heart experience will make them to know Jesus Christ. So Paul wanted to know Jesus Christ in that particular way. And we can see in the next time, Peter had another experience. The first time he already experienced 
how Jesus calmed the storm. And the next time, again, they had another opportunity to know Jesus Christ. And this time, Jesus was walking on the water. And this time, Peter said like this, because Peter had already the question, maybe naturally that miracle happened, naturally the storm come down, the sea was settled. So it may not be the power of Jesus Christ. But when he saw Jesus Christ second time walking on the water, Peter said like this, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So now the, again, the next question Peter had, his last experience on the boat did not help him to strongly believe in Jesus Christ. But he experienced one more time and he asked the question, okay, last time I was in the boat, you were in the boat, now can I walk on the water? Can you command me to come to you? And we see what happened in his life. He could walk on the water. But the other disciples were sitting on the boat. They had a comfortable life. They knew about Jesus Christ, but they didn't want to step up like Peter did. You know, sitting on the boat can be a Christian life. The other disciples might have thought that, oh, that is Jesus. He may come into the boat. But Peter did not believe in that way. The other disciples thought that Jesus will come. That's the Christian life. But Peter didn't want to be like that. He wanted to walk on the water. Being a person just believing in Jesus doesn't make a history. But a person who walks on the water makes a history. Now Peter made the history. And that's all these experiences will help Paul to know Jesus Christ. And when uh, at the end, in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus asked, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He understood after he had the personal experience, personal encounter with Jesus Christ. So Paul wanted to know Jesus Christ in that particular way. When we read Job chapter 42 verse 5, Job said, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. A Christians need to know Jesus Christ more, more than knowing about him. In India, making this know, uh, Jesus known to all the people is not such an easiest way. In India, there, India you know, if you compare the India's population, it is equivalent to 200 nations. 1.41 billion people, 1,625 languages. Out of 700,000 villages, 300,000 villages are unreached villages. A person, you know, if they want to go to heaven, what can they do? God sent Apostle Thomas to the city where I come from, the city called Chennai. This is the place where Apostle Thomas was killed, was martyred there. But if a Hindu person wants to go to heaven, he needs to go to 21 holy places. Not only that, he needs to go to the seven sacred rivers to wash all his sins. And he has to go to seven sacred mountains to see the supreme God. And you can see in this picture, the red area shows the less Christian population. In this situation, you can also see a person who is born and raised from a Hindu background needs to worship this 330 million gods and goddesses. In America, you may not know how many gods are there. So for some people, Jesus may be just a person, you know, uh, in the history he came and he died and is gone. Who is Jesus? How can he be a powerful God? But a person born and raised from a Hindu background, he knows how 
powerful is Jesus. How powerful Jesus is. I was born and raised from a Hindu background. My parents, they already had 12 children. They said, we don't want one more baby. When I was, my mother was conceived me. I was in her womb. My mother and father, they, they decided to abort me. So, but on the previous night, my mother had a dream. She saw a snake laying near her feet. So on the next day, they went to the Hindu priest to uh, ask for the meaning. And the Hindu priest said, the snake, the king cobra came to save your baby and you are not supposed to abort that baby. You will have a baby boy and he will have a big birthmark on his right side of his neck. It is here. So exactly I was born as a baby boy and the priest said, you have to name him as King of Cobras. So they named me as King of Cobras. I had to take care of the temple worship. I was the 13th uh, unlucky boy. But my <laughs> job is to take care of the temple worship. My grandfather built four Hindu temples. So my duty to assist my older brother every day. But when my family, when I was 14 years old, my parents' family had gone through a difficult situation. A woman who came to our, uh, rent one of our homes was practicing hypnotism to cheat people. She cheated a lot of our villagers and my own mother. She stole jewels, money, and ran away and people did not know until three days they were a different uh, level because of that hypnotism power they could not recognize what was happening but after three days they came to their conscience and they found that this woman cheated everything the whole villagers came to my home and they were demanding all the money and the jewels they lost to that woman they all said you, your family made this conspiracy against us and you are supposed to return all the money back. And it became a very shame, shameful thing for us. And they made us to prostrate before all the villagers and before the Hindu gods, the, own, the temple which my grandfather built, we had to prostrate uh, completely and we had to ask apology and forgiveness from all the villagers. And they said, it's all the curse of your gods. That is why these are all things happening in your life. So they went to please their own gods. And the priest, they said, your gods' hands are bound by your enemies. They cannot come and help you. You go and find some other gods who can help you. So now we had to search my parents and my siblings had to search for other gods who can come and help them. They called many priests to pray for our family. They came, they gave a lot of ideas. They said, you have to sacrifice animals. Yeah, we sacrificed animals. And they asked us to sacrifice and bury those animals inside your home. So every bedroom, we sacrificed animals and buried the rooms where we are sleeping. And they said, oh, nothing is happening. They said, you have to call your ancestor spirits to come and help you. So they went to the graveyard, dug the graveyard and brought the skull. And again, they did some rituals. Nothing happened. It passed by three years. I was 17 years old by the time some Christians came to evangelize our village. So they were going house after house and they were praying for every house. I invited them to pray for my family. My mother said, no, we don't have any more money. We don't have money to give all these priests, whoever comes and pray. But this Christian uh, man and woman, they said, we don't want any money, but we will pray for you. So they came and they prayed. They asked me to uh, visit the church. The following Sunday, I went to the church the whole church were praying for me and my family. After three years, when the church all prayed, 
you know, it just took less than two weeks we, to find the woman who stole everything. You know, the two Sundays, the church, all the church members prayed for us. And we found that woman, we could recover the respect and we could regain all the uh, things we lost to that woman. That made me to know who is this Jesus Christ, who answers this prayer. Every day I went to the temple, I was taking care of the temple worship, uh, cleaning the idols, everything. But these guards did not come and help us. When we went to the relative to ask some help, they said, now your God has cursed you, so we cannot come and help you, otherwise the same curse will fall upon us. We were abandoned. But the Christians, they did not abandon us. They wanted to pray for us. So I wanted to know more Jesus Christ. Who is this God? Who is this powerful God who answers to the prayers? Three years we did not get any answers from any of our gods. And the family was scattered. My siblings were scattered. They tried to commit suicide. So these were all the situations. So when I wanted to know Jesus Christ, I went to the church, but that provoked my family. They said, you cannot go to the church because people from the low caste are live, attending the church. In India, there are four different castes are there. If you have questions, I can tell you that later. And uh, the people who uh, preach the Jesus Christ, they invited me to the church, and they were all low caste uh, people. So my family said, my parents' uh, family, they said, if you want to follow Jesus, then you have no place in our home. So they just kicked me off from my home. So at the age of 17, with the two pairs of clothes, I just left the home and went to the Bible school, got the opportunity to study the God's word. And they asked me so many questions which I didn't know. But just they gave me the place. It was the place of my refuge. But the medium of instruction was only in my mother tongue. They were teaching in Tamil language. They have only the Bible. Apart from the Bible, they don't have any curriculum. But they didn't even have, uh, uh, you know, let me to ask questions and get answers. But what happened? I saw some books, library books, only written in English. So I taught English by myself. One side I kept the English Bible, the other side I kept the Tamil Bible. So that's how I learned English. So please forgive me if my English is not good. <laughs> okay. So I, I never studied in the English speaking schools. So I learned by myself so that I can know Jesus more, more and more. So after my bachelor's, I went back to my home. Still they didn't accept me. I was on streets for several months. Then I got an opportunity to work among college students as a student's counselor. That time my family was going through another problem and they were in need of my help. 17 of them came to my home and stayed with me for one and a half years. I told them, if you want to stay in my home, leave all your idols. Then only you can come. So they came to my home and they were forced to, to listen the gospel. When I was speaking to my students, when I was uh, preaching and teaching to my students at our home. So my house was open to all my students. So anytime they can come and all my family members have to sit and watch. My mother accepted Jesus Christ. My you know, brothers accepted Jesus Christ. My brother is a pastor now. Uh, he did his MPhil public administration. Then he said, I want to serve this Lord. When I came to Jesus, there was not even a single Christian in my village. But not only in my village, nearby 20 villages. But now God raised more than 50 families from my village to follow Jesus Christ. And God raised many missionaries to follow Jesus Christ. Do you know, <laughs> that's what I want to tell you. Just knowing about Jesus Christ is a Christian life. Just coming to the church, listening to the sermon will help us to know about Jesus Christ. But knowing Jesus Christ will make us to create some history. Amen? Yes. So what happened after that? 
God gave me the burden to help other pastors and Christian leaders to know Jesus Christ more. When I went, traveled to different parts of India, I came to know that Christians cannot openly share the gospel. One third of India has anti-conversion law. This anti-conversion law means Christians openly cannot go and share the gospel. Otherwise, they will be put into prison. This is my church. In five years, we moved to six or seven places. Christians don't have the opportunity to worship together. Wherever there is anti-conversion law, the pastors can be put in prison for five years and heavy penalty. So Christians cannot openly go and share the gospel in those 12 states. But that made me to find a way how we can help these people to know Jesus Christ more. And another problem in India is the caste system. This caste system not letting the Christians to share the gospel with the other people. So what can we do? That's the next question. We can move on to the Apostle Paul's again. The second question Paul asked, Lord, what do you desire me to do? What do you desire me to do? And God revealed what he was supposed to do. He said, go to Ananias and he will tell you what you were supposed to do. So God led him to a man of God and he learned the purpose of his life. Once he learned who Jesus was, he also learned the purpose of his life. And he said in 1 Corinthians 9.16, I preach the gospel and I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. This is what happened to Apostle Peter. They, when, the moment when they know Jesus Christ, Nobody can stop them preaching Jesus Christ. They said, we will preach Jesus Christ. Paul understood how sinner he was and that helped me. So in order to make this Jesus known to all other Indian friends, God gave me this burden. And Paul says like this in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And how can we imitate Apostle Paul? He says, beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. When I started the church, Angel and my wife and I, we pioneered the church. Up to 10 months, nobody came to the church. My wife, my daughter, who was just one and a half years old, and my son was in her womb, we wanted to start the church among the Hindu people. Up to 10 months, nobody came. We were really worried, how are we going to survive in this city? Should we continue to do this ministry or not? And that's the time my wife got an opportunity to come to the US. She is an engineer. She worked for an IT company for 12 years. So she got an opportunity to come to the US. The company offered her $100,000 per annum. So we decided that, okay, this church ministry is not going to help us and we are not successful in this area. So we decided to shut down that ministry and uh, plan to come to U.S. It happened in 2013, the year 2013. And that the last Sunday, what happened, God brought one family. So we asked the question, how it's going to happen? So we thought, okay, let's wait whether these people will come next week or not. And the following week, we got three more families. So now it's a question mark. What are we going to do now? Are we going to the U.S. or going to stay back? Then we thought, okay, these people may not come the next week. And the third week, we got ten more families. Now the temptation started. What am I going to do now? Then we prayed and we decided that, okay, $100,000, you know, for Indians, $100,000 per annum is not the easiest thing. It's, it's huge money. And uh, 
so we thought, okay, God is entrusting these people in our hands, and we want these people also know Jesus more. They have heard about Jesus, but they want to know Jesus. They are all Hindu people. They wanted to know Jesus Christ. So we thought, okay, let us leave that plan now. Let's continue to serve the Lord. You know, when I was reading this particular verse, it gave me this concern that, okay, not only me, there are many pastors who really need to know Jesus Christ more. So when I traveled to different parts of India, I found that more than 75% of the pastors in India don't have any form of biblical training. We won't be sitting in a church building which was built by the untrained engineer. Kelly said he, uh, he had many degrees about engineering and he worked in a different field. So the trained person needs to be there in every field. But the church, when it comes to the churches in India, 75% of pastors don't have any biblical training. I know that's one of the reasons 2,000 years we have been struggling to reach our nation. Millions and millions of dollars were invested in the lives of widows, orphans, schools, and buildings, and colleges. But one of the least area invested is making people know Christ through the training. So I decided to travel different parts of India to train the untrained pastors and Christian leaders in India. But it couldn't uh, possible. But my angel was helping me. And Paul says, beside everything else, what is besides means what? He says, he was worked much harder, he was in prison, and he was near to the death. Uh, five times he was beaten by the Jews people. And more than that, he says that three times he was beaten with the rods. Shripprak, and a lot of sufferings he had was constantly moving. But above all, he says that he was in cold and he was naked. Last time when I visited Peninsula, I wanted to touch the uh, Pacific Ocean because it's the other side. I, I have stamped my feet in Indian Ocean, Arabic Ocean, Bay of Bengal. I thought, let me stamp my feet in this Pacific Ocean. It was such a cold water. <laughs> <laughs> but Paul says he was, you know, naked in such places. But, you know, nothing stopped him to have the concern for all the churches. You know, people, when, when we call people to serve the Lord, they may give a lot of excuses. I don't have time. I don't have uh, time for prayer meetings. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for the, anything. But Paul says, you know, beside everything else, I want to preach this Jesus Christ. Uh, two weeks before I was in Seattle, my friend took me to watch American football. It's the first time ever in my life I saw the American football in person. And I saw the parents were screaming and encouraging uh, their children, hey, that's wonderful. Then she took me to watch the soccer. I saw all the parents were there when the children were practicing. But when I visited another church, I found none of those children were in the church. It was sad, you know. The thing is, parents really, uh, sometimes they think that, okay, my children once know everything. But when it comes to the church, they don't have time. But Paul says that beside everything else, whatever the problems may be, I, the pressure, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches, not only one church. So God gave me that passion, not only training my own church members, I need to train other church members too. So Paul gave this plan. His, his concern for all the churches is to present all the church members blameless in holiness before our God the Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus, all his saints. So the real concern he had for his church members was to make every heart blameless and in holiness. That's the real heart. And uh, 
Next one we can say, he says that in uh, Colossians, to make the word of God fully known to all the believers. And when we read Colossians chapter 1 verse 28, he says that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Knowing about Jesus may be a Christian life, but knowing Jesus is the mature Christian life. So Paul wanted to make sure that all his followers will be able to imitate him. Not only that, in 2 Corinthians 2.14, he says that he was spreading the fragrance of knowledge of him everywhere. You know, uh, in US, I see everyone uses perfume, yeah, and uh, different brands. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, when we go near to Apostle Paul, this fragrance is different. It's knowledge of Jesus Christ. When a person comes to you, uh, you know, uh, to me, we need to make sure that the fragrance is not the fragrance we use, you know, uh, for the, just for the body. But he says that if a person comes to me, he can smell the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, imitate me. Before he imitate anything, imitate me as I imitate Jesus Christ. And Colossians 1, 15 and 16 says that, all things have been created through him and for him. We are not created for our own pleasure. We are created for his pleasure. So that is the concern God gave me to have concern for all the churches. So how can we imitate Apostle Paul? Paul says to Timothy, and the things you have heard of me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So how can we imitate Apostle Paul? This is the answer. Why the churches are not growing in India? It is because this verse is not implemented in the church. In most of the churches, there is a Paul, there is a Timothy. But we cannot see the faithful man and the other people. You know, a person standing here on the pulpit, maybe Pastor Chris, he can be Apostle Paul, and you may be the Timothy. And if the church wants to grow, the work of the Timothy is to find the faithful man. You can ask yourself, Chris, Pastor Chris may be standing here as Apostle Paul, and you are a Timothy. Now, who is the faithful man you have? That is the third generation. So Timothy's role is to find the faithful men and women. And the fourth generation is they have to learn from those third generation. So what happens mostly, the God's word stops here alone. Timothy, they listen to God's word and after that they don't find any faithful men and women of God who will be able to go and teach and train others. That's why the churches are not being growing. In India, as I said, one-fourth of the pastors don't have the biblical training. When God called Abraham, he was a one person. But Bible says that God made him many. The other translation says that he became a great nation. God multiplied him. He increased him. He was just a one man, but God increased him. When God calls you as his son or his daughter, he wants you to increase in all the spheres of your life. And, you know, God knew one thing about Abraham. He said, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of them. And God knew Abraham. You can ask the another question to yourself. Does God know you? Does God know you better? God knew Abraham. Now, one thing what God knew is, he says that I know that he will command his children. Now, many parents, they want their children to know everything in the world except God's word. They don't have time for that. Many people don't have time for that. But God made Abraham as a great nation because he saw the real burden Abraham had. He wanted to pass on the God's knowledge to the next generation. The God's blessings will be rest upon us when God knows our heart. 
it is not we not only we know christ but christ also knows us our heart god knows what is our motivation god knows what is our expectation it is not just spending our time in reading god's word but it is to passing on the next generation and that made the nation to grow when we read proverbs 13:22 it says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children what is would be that inheritance making jesus known to our next generation abraham did that paul did that peter did that in india we also wanted to do that that's why in india what we do through our it global ministry we started providing this biblical training to all the pastors and leaders whoever can be a part of our ministry if you want to be a part of that movement you can also invest your life in such a ministry these children of god in myanmar two months before i went they were all in the civil war situation and uh, the other young men and women lost their family members due to the civil war and i went and trained them i thought i would never come back after this trip when i went to this uh, training program i trained 85 students and they lost their family members they were in dangers but they said we want to know jesus and we may not know when are we going to die today or tomorrow any time we may die but we want to know jesus christ and they prayed for their enemies the day when i reached there they said two days ago they bombed the airport and the another day they said they killed four bible college students this is the situation there so you can join in such a training movement this is what we are have doing in india passing on the knowledge encouraging everyone to passing on this god's knowledge to the next generation you know it's going to happen in your church in the coming week we have a training program which transformed my life it will transform your life you can join that training program shall we all pray yeah i want to conclude this sermon with a prayer father we thank you for this time thank you for the time of your children who listened patiently these words father god as i said father let this bring a transformation in their life father god help us lord to serve you and know you more and do your desire in our life in jesus name we ask amen thank you thank you so much